Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better on this week's Clash Potters in Control. In the red corner... It's the end of the 90s, and Roland Emmerich is still only at the start of his cinematic destruction derby of Earth, following up Independence Day with another monster-sized blockbuster. Loathed by critics, but the third highest-grossing movie of the year, how's it looking nearly 25 years on? From 1998, it's Godzilla. Units, this is 7 November, Godzilla. government evidence of passengers dead or alive please stand by things only 200 miles off the eastern american seaboard we don't even know what the hell it is While in the blue corner, after his indie smash monsters, Gareth Edwards decided to follow it up with more monsters and kick off Warner Brothers' lucrative new Monsterverse. But aside from being labelled fat by Japanese fans, how did his new imagining of everyone's favourite atomic breath-firing lizard fare from 2014? It's Godzilla. In 1954, we awakened something. Those nuclear tests in the Pacific. Not tests. They were trying to kill it. Can you kill it? The arrogance of man is thinking nature is in our control. And not the other way around. So what connects these two films, and which film does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. the Kraken. Hello, 
Class Butters. This thing is much too big to be some lost dinosaur. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. How's tricks? Yeah, right. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. Any, any, any goss from the real world before we uh, get into the show this week? No, I've been watching a lot of films this week. Great. Yeah. <laughs> that's sort of that's good, isn't it? That's yeah. great, yeah. yeah. Okay, so just thought I'd tell you. Did you watch Godzilla? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. How about Godzilla? And Godzilla. Great. Yeah, and Great. some other more recent releases. Anything you'd care to mention? I watched, I watched Mass last night. I oh. say I watched, but I couldn't see through my tears. Good, isn't it? <laughs> Fucking hell. It's brutal. It's brilliant, but yeah. it's brutal. It's so, I mean, Jason Isaacs is, I love Jason Isaacs anyway, but he's so good He's really it? good. I, I, was, I wasn't going to cry. I was like, just don't start crying. But then once I started, I just couldn't stop and I couldn't see the last sort of 45 minutes. I can't believe, I think I was talking to you about this, Chris. In fact, I think you told me this. So I'm just going to repeat your story because you don't like to talk about small talk. Oh, he's ignoring you. Yeah. Uh, it's the stoner dude from Kevin in the Woods. I know. That's so good. Mm. I'm so thrilled for him. Yeah. It's brilliant. Amazing. Mm. And how are you, Chris? Good. Great stuff. Right then, time to continue our month and a bit of listener suggestions, a.k.a. Clash Butters in Control, currently still known as Fanjan or Fanuary, but from Thursday becoming Febra Fanny. <laughs> are we agreed? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, fine, fine. Great. <laughs> if you have a suggestion for a pairing, you've still got a chance to email us at show at clashpod.com and give us a reason for why you want a particular pairing on the show. So, who did... Today's pairing come from Chris. Uh, a listener called Jamie Almazan, mm. um, who uh, didn't send a reason, but did write an email to us, a message, which I'm going to read out on Thursday mm-hmm. this time. Okay. Sure. Sure. Okay. I'm excited. I mean... Has it ruined, though, because you haven't got it written into Thursday's <laughs> schedule, so you're going to be absolutely thrown when we do that episode. You'll just uh, forget. I've told you how, uh, how surprising people find the fact that everything that is said on this show is scripted. By you? Mm. <laughs> you find it unnerving, don't you, that it, it says, I'm, I'm Vicky <laughs> on my script, and it's I'm Chris Tilly on my script. <sighs> prepared. I'm prepared. Right then. So the clue Victoria gave last week for this pairing was... Is it a gorilla? Is it a whale? No, it's a lizard dinosaur. What do you need me to say it again? Yeah, you should look sheepish, she's idiot. A, she's a writer. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so inelegant. Yeah, it is. Yes, it's ugly. I know that, but it is factually accurate. So stick it up your ass. And remind well, us why. I think you'll find I said I'm going to hold back on this one. And on you said thank you, but Alex, yeah, yeah. Alex went for it. He went it. all in, didn't he? And I he? thought... If she's right, mm. I don't want to. I don't want to have to apologise. <laughs> and you were right. Nothing worse. <laughs> I, Nothing worse. I was worried that people were going to immediately hear gorilla and think rampage or king kong. Well, that's um, why it's a good clue. It is a good clue, yeah, because a lot of people wrote rampage or king kong You're in the welcome. guest section. Yeah. Um, tell us why. Because uh, Godzilla is a portmanteau mm. of the words gorilla and whale, and in an early inception of Godzilla, he was going to be a gorilla whale thing, mm. and now and then now he's not. Now he's is he a lizard? Is he a dinosaur in one of these films? Is he an iguana, which is a lizard? It is. And then because the two films are both called Godzilla, I said, should I say it again? Do you see? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it really works. Yeah. Portmanteau. 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 I love it. I, it's a new word to me. I've mm. I've often put two words together, but I didn't know I was doing a portmanteau. Well, you were. <laughs> lovely word. Lovely word. Right, Chris, follow that up on Twitter with a lovely clue. 
Uh, now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. Mm. There's a video of Chris <laughs> saying it like that. <laughs> that wasn't me. <laughs> that was Mr. Oppenheimer. <laughs> it was. So we are on Twitter at Clashpod. Also Instagram at Clashpod. And the guests have stomped their way to us, levelling everything in their path. Congratulations to Reese Page, Andrew Logan, Russell, John Linehan and Liam McPee, who all got it right. But our winner this week was Robert Farley. Congratulations, Robert. Your prize is the Matthew Broderick Godzilla experience. It involves being woefully miscast in a movie and then being forced to dress like a character from 1980s TV show Fame. Enjoy. <laughs> Connection section. What do you got? Uh, I have got... Uh, you've got a photograph of your lady friend... <laughs> That's your first connection. Well, it's not all the rest of it's quite obvious, isn't it? So yeah, uh, footage of nuclear testing over the opening credits. Yeah, good. Which is such a strange one because after how the '98 version was received, you'd I feel like you'd want to distance yourself from it rather than copy and paste its opening credits. I think it's just it's a lot. It does a lot of work though. It does a lot of background Agreed. before the movie even needs to start. I just think I feel like they have to think of another way because it's the same work that it did in the first film. Mm. Very similar, yeah. We'll get into that, though, because I think especially after the 1998 version, uh, Toho Studios did stipulate a few bits and pieces for 2014's version, which is maybe why they included it. Uh, I've got one which I think is also, and I'll talk about this, and it doesn't doesn't mean I'm saying my favourite <clears throat> movie up front because they both do this. It's the biggest mistake of both movies, murdering baby monsters while parent monsters look on in anguish yeah insane decision making on both movies part yeah yep yep uh, movies that both this is sort of very subjective but movies that start well and then get steadily worse well like you said the exposition mm. is possibly the best bit in the credit sequence monsters Touch tied up in cables yeah Happens twice. Reproduction is central mm -hmm. to both stories. Yeah, this monster's going to have a baby. Mm. Um, action, or not actually, in the 2014 one, nearly action in the subway. And there's a bit of subway action, but there's not enough subway action. Uh, monster designs that were not loved by Japanese fans. Obviously, no one loved the iguana <clears throat> in, 20, in 1998. And they said Godzilla in 2014 was a bit fat. That's <laughs> so what they said. They said uh, they laughed at the fact he had no neck. Uh, he, uh, they joked about the fact he'd moved to America, which meant he'd supersized himself like McDonald's <laughs> or indulged in too much KFC. Okay, that's all I've got. Mm, I, I'm going to add a couple more. Uh, both have attacks on the San Francisco Bridge. Uh, Godzilla in 2014 and the clip from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea in 1998. Oh, mm. cheeky. Oh, yeah. It is. Uh, our human heroes having a quiet one-to-one -one moment with Godzilla. Roderick and Johnson do that. And two absolutely incredible teaser trailers for both movies. The New York Natural History Museum mm. for 1998 was immense. I watched it. After I'd watched the movie, and I almost wanted to watch the movie again, it's so good. And then the Halo Jump or the Oppenheimer one for 2014, both mm. are great teasers. That's it. So on Thursday, I'll be dealing with a supersized Godzilla trampling downtown San Francisco, which means today, and not for the first time, Chris is in NYC with a massive iguana. Chris takes on a journey. Godzilla is the story of a single parent who just wants to raise 200 kids in New York. But Ferris Bueller is drafted in to stop this disaster, and the love of his life helps out. A woman who dumped Earthworm Jim when he proposed, <laughs> didn't tell him why, didn't speak to him for eight years, then stole a top-secret video from him and got him sacked, which very nearly caused the end of the world. <laughs> but Bueller takes her back, which is the happy ending nobody wanted, 
and in a show of military might, we murder Godzilla and 199 of those babies. Fuck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Top I mean, secret. <laughs> there's a lot, isn't there? There's a lot yeah. to dig into. Audrey, what a disaster that character is. Yeah. Uh, when did you first see this monstrosity, Vicky? Two days ago. Fine. Alex, when did you first see this monstrosity? Uh, watched it at uni on video. Didn't see it at the cinema. But do remember, in 1998, the massive amount of promotion and marketing for this movie like this was a big deal we were told a big deal I remember the Jamaraquai video on massive rotation mm. on MTV Deeper Underground going this looks great and uh yeah, and I also remember... Unfortunately, Jamiroquai wasn't in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Missed opportunity there. Oh, JK. I looked him up recently. In fact, after watching this movie, I was like, I wonder what... You know when you go down a rabbit hole, I was like, I wonder what JK's doing these days. He seems well. Is he on well. Gogglebox, probably? No. No. Okay. No. Should be. He still loves cars, though. Right. Yeah, he once smirked at me from a sports car. <laughs> he once said, hello, dude, to me. <laughs> Uh, the only other person that's called me dude was Richard Maidley. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> really? Yeah. I saw jealous. Uh, yeah. I was. I think I was on uh, Richard and Judy. And, Were you? Well, I don't think I, think, I, well, yeah. I could remember. It was either that or a fever dream. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you mean you were on the show? Yeah, I was what on. For? Okay, you weren't on top of them. You were working or they were interviewing Yeah, I can't you. remember what I was doing. I was talking Did you about... win the lottery? I don't understand. What happened? When Richard and Judy had their Channel 4 show, they were doing, I think it was a feature about music festivals or something. Okay. Anyway, I was talking about something to do with Steven Spielberg and I was like, you know, I don't think this movie is as good as early Steven Spielberg. And Richard Mayley went, you tell that to his face, dude. <laughs> wow. Burn. Shamed Amazing. You. Yeah. yeah, he got me. Um, <laughs> but I remember, I think the one, the one thing that I thought was really interesting personally for me about this movie was this is the first time I started getting interested in the stories behind movies and the war that was going on between this film and Armageddon for which was going to be the biggest blockbuster of the year mm. and all the sort of furore about that and then Michael Bay's little dig at this movie in his movie. I remember getting excited about the marketing of film. Oh, I've got nothing on that, so you'll have to jump in. Okay. Um, did either of you grow up on the cartoon in the 80s? Yes! Yeah, Godzilla and Godzuki. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 50 stories high. No, dun, but dun, I would da, da. say, because I, because I don't like, no, no, like beggar all about Godzilla, when I went into this, I like, and I do like blockbusters, I'm not just going to be like, I hate, you know, I like, I like Armageddon a bit. And I really like Independence Day. So I was ready. I was like, you know, like bust my block kind of thing. Like I wanted it to be amazing. You bust your block? Leave it at that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Are you all right? I am now, yeah. Right. Mine was the same as Alex. Watched it on video at uni. With some mates. Mm. Were well, you on your own? You're probably on your own, weren't you? Probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was with mates. Shut up, right? <laughs> I enjoy watching movies on my own. I still do. Well, 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 well with this one, you know, I, I, I'll say now, I'm not wasn't the biggest fan of this film at the time, but this film is an all right movie to watch with your mates. There's a lot of fun to be had laughing at it. Mm. Yeah, and I think this is more enjoyable experience than if we all watched this on our own this week. It's, yeah, can be heavy going. I agree, and I think. Towards the end of this movie, I did start to think, actually, there's two ways of judging this movie, mm. and we can talk about it. So let's do a bit of background, because I would say this is one of those weeks where maybe the behind the scenes of this 
film is more interesting than the film itself. Possibly. So, in 1954, nine years after the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, a Japanese producer, Tomoyuki Tanaka, was flying over the Bikini Islands, the site of the American H-bomb testing, when he came up with the idea for Godzilla. A monster mutated by radiation who rose from the sea to wreak havoc on Tokyo, symbolising the post-war fear and anxiety of the Japanese. Uh, Godzilla went on to appear in 22 movies for Toho Studio, but then America wanted a piece of that pie. And two projects nearly happened. And I got very excited reading about I these bet you projects. Did. One of them is amazing. <laughs> so the 1983 uh, <laughs> Godzilla, King of All Monsters 3D, written by Fred Decker. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> Any Fred Decker fans in the house? Oh, come on. Monster Squad. The Monster yeah. Squad. And you love The Predator. Which I love he, The which Predator. I can't believe we haven't done that yet. It's so good, The Predator. Mis- misjudged by people, that film. Sure. So... Yeah. No. no. So uh, Fred Decker but I've story- seen Monster Squad. No. Do you know? And who was going to direct? That uh, Steve Miner. I know. Lake Placid. Lake Placid. Lake Placid. Okay. You would have loved this film. I know. I got so excited. And it would have been 1983 3D. So it would have shite. <laughs> uh, so Decker's story was going to have a meteorite hitting one of the US military satellites and accidentally setting off nuclear attack that would ultimately end up resurrecting Godzilla. The film was going to end with an all out battle between the US Army and Godzilla on Alcatraz. Mm. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think Godzilla dies in the end of that one as well, which I'm just not convinced by. I don't think Godzilla dies in any of the Toho Studio films. So why they seem insistent on <laughs> killing Godzilla in like the in 1990 version? Yeah. It's just like in this version. And there was another Yanderbont version, which I think he was getting to it. I'm getting right. to it. But with the with it, is it not just American military hubris, patriotism? Yeah, can't lose. Want to see the fighter pilots take out the monster? It's interesting. Know. There was a quote I found from someone at uh, Toho Studios. When I come to it, I'll tell you who it was who who said he can't believe why in the american godzilla they're so obsessed with thinking that godzilla can be taken down mm. by military might because that's something that never happened no. in the toho version no. then in 1993 producers uh, carrie woods and rob fried wooed toho with a straightforward sci-fi premise and toho said yes uh, they pitched the idea of columbia Columbia felt it sounded too camp. Peter Goober at Sony was into it. He saw the movie in his head. He said to them, Godzilla, the fire-breathing monster, yes! Uh, he set up the film at TriStar and announced it to the rest of the world with an ad in Variety. It showed a picture of the TriStar studio lot under an ominous, familiar-shaped shadow. Godzilla coming summer 1994. That didn't happen. <laughs> um, then they brought on screenwriters Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio, mm. uh, whose big hit at that time was Aladdin, the animated <gasps> Aladdin. Although they go on. Film. Yeah. <laughs> and they went on to Mastermind. Uh, yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean, Shrek, um, National Treasure. National Treasure. <laughs> National Treasure. Quite like National Treasure. I like National Treasure. Yes. Um, and they decided to do a Moby Dick story in which the scientist's wife or husband is killed by Godzilla in the first appearance and that person then wants to hunt Godzilla down and kill it. And I thought you might find this uh, interesting, Alex. Uh, Ted, uh, What's his name? Ted Elliott said it was very similar to Aliens in which um, Ripley's obsessed with the alien. She's Ahab. And he said, so I wondered if James Cameron started with an Ahab story the same as we did when he was writing Aliens. That is interesting. Hmm. So their version is available online as a graphic novel. 
someone turned this script um, into a graphic novel, uh, much like the Alien 3 unmade script. Uh, William Gibson's unmade script is a graphic novel. I read it at the weekend. Mm-hmm. It's fucking great. It's great. It's basically an alien lands on Earth. So as I'm going to talk about a lot on these two shows, a proper villain monster, like an evil monster that you want to see die. Great. Already a good start. It's the thing. It absorbs the forms of animals it comes across on Earth and becomes this giant thing-like monster called the griffon, and Godzilla kills it in the end and places its head on top of the Statue of Liberty. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Yeah, body of a cougar, wings of a bat, tongue of the snakes. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it sounded intriguing. So, um, uh, but before they got to that point, they need an A-list director. They went to Roland Emmerich, James Cameron, Tim Burton and the Coen brothers. Wow. Uh, The producer Wood says, that was my idea. I'd just seen the Hudsucker proxy at Sundance and I thought they could give perfect. (laughs) Yeah, they could could give Godzilla a cool young twist. Uh, Then when Hudsucker came out and did no business whatsoever, the studio wanted to put me in a straitjacket. Emmerich and Devlin uh, passed on the project over and over again. They couldn't get beyond what Devlin called the cheese factor. Um, and Roland Emmerich had no interest in doing Godzilla. He wasn't a Godzilla fan and thought it was a bad idea. So um, ultimately, Yonder Bont signed up uh, and it was right after Speed had come out. So it was a real coup for the studio. There was an issue with money. So De Bont's budget was going up and up and up. It hit about 130 to 145 million, which was a real problem for a studio that had just released the last action hero. And the, the Godzilla was going to be on screen for most of the time. Mm. And so this is what an issue. The size was an issue. His interaction with water was an issue. His interaction with masonry was an issue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the, the, the effects were just seen as prohibitively expensive. So DeBont jumped over to Warner Brothers to make Twister, which is funny because the, the, the two people they wanted in the leads for this film were Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton at the time. Um, So Emmerich and Devlin finished Independence Day and they were getting antsy about their next project um, and asked their set and creature designer, Patrick Tatopoulos, have I said that right? Or shall I make a joke <laughs> about you... not saying it's right? <laughs> okay. But keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, because it, it gets funnier. Definitely. <laughs> uh, he, he, they asked him to sketch out some images of Godzilla. Uh, this guy had worked on Stargate, Independence Day. Alex, he was on Pitch Black. Mm. He was also on Battlefield Earth, Super Mario Brothers, Batman v Superman, Justice League and Stuart Little. Um, Devlin says, when Roald and I saw the drawings, we just looked at each other and said, that's it. That's our next picture. But they discarded the Alien script. It had some really cool things, Emmerich says, uh, but it was something I never would have done. The last half was like watching two creatures go at it. I simply don't like that. Mm. Mm. He does say, though, that, I mean, Emmerich and why he made this movie is uh, just such a, a an interesting conversation because he seems to hate Godzilla mm. and I struggle with what he was thinking making the movie. I'm sure you're going to tell us about when they agreed to write the script, but they kept the rights. So if the studio didn't make Godzilla, the script that Devlin and Emmerich wrote for it, they would then uh, get the rights to the script back if the studio didn't go ahead with the movie. Now, why, if the studio owns the rights to Godzilla Mm. and you write a script for Godzilla, would you want that script back? And it's because they could have then made that script and just called it something else. It did not need to be 
Godzilla, which tells you all you need to know about how not a Godzilla movie Mm. this is. That's interesting. Um, So having discarded that script, uh, Devlin stated in some of the early drafts of the script was they had Godzilla being an alien planted here. What Japan had originally come up with regarding nuclear radiation, you can't abandon that. It's too important to what Godzilla is about. I think he was right there. Mm -hmm. So they finally signed on to make the movie and Devlin told Variety, we're going to try and do this for a shade under 90 million because Roland and I are dead set against those hundred million dollar budgets. Uh, the finished film clocked in $120 million, um, which was the same price as Jan de Bont's version would have been, which is the reason that didn't happen. So they ended up going around in circles. Uh, Devlin said after the fact, let's put it this way. We spent a lot more money on this movie than we wanted to. I'm not proud of it. So, Alex, you mentioned the marketing. Mm. They did an amazing job with this one. Mm. Um, Roland Emmerich insisted they not use full body images or headshots of Godzilla anywhere. So 300 companies had to sign agreements to not show images of Godzilla. They set up a sting-like operation um, targeting licensees of Godzilla toys and times. These are the people they're working with and collaborating with. Um, Since they didn't want anyone to sneak a peek at the lizard before Memorial Day, they sent out fake drawings, each slightly different, to all 300 of these companies um, so that they would know if anyone did leak it, who had leaked it. And Fruit of the Loom got in trouble. <laughs> uh, reportedly. I'm going to say reportedly. <laughs> um, um, uh, prior to principal photography, Emmerich filmed a teaser trailer that Alex mentioned. It cost $600,000 and it featured Godzilla's foot uh, crushing a Tyrannosaurus Rex in Worth a museum. every penny. Do you think, I think that's a little, a little dig yeah, at Jurassic too. Park. It's not little. It's a massive right, dig at Jurassic Park. That's the only reason you do that. Yeah. So this then ties into the Michael Bay thing. So you'll remember in Armageddon early on uh, when one of the first little mini meteorites hits the guy who's selling stuff on the street in New York mm-hmm. when the dog is attacking him at his stall. Mm-hmm. What is that dog attacking? Godzilla toys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that is him going, we're not threatened by Godzilla. We right. can make a joke about it. I'm Michael Bay. <laughs> Uh, the Godzilla trailer was attached to um, Men in Black, which was obviously a hit in itself, but it became such a phenomenon that theatres began advertising that the trailer would be featured before Men in Black, so it actually helped Men in Black. Um, but a strange thing happened a few months later when Sony um, threatened to slap a lawsuit on DreamWorks after a trailer for Small Soldiers was shown at a toy fair. Uh, the commu- the computer-animated kids' film trailer, uh, which showed its stable of miniature army guys hog-tying a giant lizard with the tagline, size doesn't matter, <laughs> apparently hit too close for home for Sony. And uh, DreamWorks never showed that Small Soldiers trailer again. So that's mad mm. yeah. that they did it to... Jurassic Park and then they didn't like it being done to them. Mm-hmm. Can't take it. Can't take it. <laughs> um, I've got some stuff about the design of the Godzilla but I thought we'd talk about that a bit later when we're into the film. Yeah, I mean the only other thing I've got is um, Toho Studios basically really quite excited about what Roland Emmerich was going to do with this movie before yes. they saw the movie. Um, Ishiro Honda who was uh, the director of various uh, Toho Studios Godzilla films including my favourite as a kid, 1968's Destroy All Monsters, said, uh, which is a testament to the kind of Godzilla movies that Toho themselves were making in 1998, it will probably be much more interesting than the ones currently being produced in Japan. So there was a certain amount of excitement for Mm. seeing what Hollywood was going to do with Godzilla 
which we'll talk about at the end, I'm sure, mm. changed somewhat. Yes, the aftermath is maybe the most interesting aspect <laughs> of any of this. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the movie. We've got the Star Spangled Banner playing over footage of deforestation, nuclear testing and a lizard. There's an explosion and it ends with a close-up on an egg. Mm. Then the action kicks in. Godzilla attacks a fishing boat. Which features on the fishing boat? Did you see him? Yeah, yeah, Al Yong. Al Yong. <laughs> Al Yong, our friend from Die Hard and Golden Child, and uh-huh. from a little China. Always nice to see his Always his good face. to see him. Can I just say, uh, before we get into this movie, I just want to put it out there. Uh, reasons will become clear. I'm a big Roland Emmerich fan. 2012 is amazing. Day After Tomorrow, Independence. I love Roland Emmerich. Just need to put that out there before we carry on talking about this particular Emmerich joint. Are you hoping to work with him someday? <laughs> Quite a strange statement to issue. Oh my. Do you know how I've watched the new, the latest trailer for Moonfall yeah. about 20 times? The one with the cover of Credence Clearwater Revival's Bad Moon Rising on is just, it makes me weep. I get so excited. <laughs> okay. So next we're in Chernobyl with Nico Tatopoulos, uh, uh, played by Matthew Broderick, named after the guy who designed the creature, as we said. And he's a biologist working for Nuclear Regulatory hey, Commission. Hey, how do you know he's a biologist? He, does, he doesn't say it about 50,000 times in the exposition. I'm a biologist. What do you, I take samples. Why am I here? Okay, we get it. Yeah. Could you tell me, though, what Sally Hawkins or uh, <laughs> Ken Watanabe do in 2014? Sure. I'd, I'd rather one of them at <laughs> yeah, some point went, true. by the way, I'm a doctor of... <laughs> <laughs> so at least at least we know what this guy fucking does. We definitely do. That's fair. Yeah. And why why is he singing uh, musicals and why does that never come back? Is that something? Is that a character trait? Like it's like singing in the rain. It's like are you setting up the fact that this entire movie is going to be rainy and is that why yes, it's there? Or I does think he so. does he, he why does he not listen to musicals later while he's working? Strange. Um, Dean Devlin said. Every film we've done, we've wanted Matthew Broderick for. Emmerich added, he would have been James Spader in Stargate and Jeff Goldblum in Independence Day, but he was unavailable. He should have been James Spader in Stargate. That would have been better than Nick Totopoulos. He's miscast. Yeah, but But he's also bad. (laughs) No, he is. I love him, but he's bad in this. He is, but I don't know. Is that his fault? I can't decide because you wonder. Yeah, the character's pretty bad. He's very weak. Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. I halfway through decided to go right. Let's put Will Smith in that role mm-hmm. or Jeff Goldblum in that well, role. Yeah, him saying that he was supposed to play the Jeff Goldblum in Independence Day immediately made me think of Jeff Goldblum here, and it's a better film. It, is. <laughs> it really is. He's not helped by the fact he dresses like a child. Yeah, he does like a children's TV presenter. <laughs> so, but all, but properly like the hat on backwards. The backwards hat. Is yeah, the worst decision. It's really creepy. Mm. Yes, and he has an unhealthy obsession with his ex. We don't realise it at this point because there's photos of a woman on his dashboard. We don't realise at this point they broke up eight years ago. That's, again, super creepy. Come on, Nick. Um, so then we're into Tahiti, where Philippe Roche, uh, played by Jean Reno, is the Frenchest Frenchman oh. in history. He's Thanks pretty much Rene God. from Hello, Hello. Thank God for Jean Reno. Yes. Though. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, I, I say that in most Jean Reno movies, but here... He is a, a light in the darkness. Well, you're saying that. The first thing he does is try to set fire to an old man in a hospital bed. Mm. <laughs> it's very rude as well. What's he doing shining that? What did you see, old man? That man, <laughs> I'm 55. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just, I think he's brilliant. But because for half the film, he's like, well, first of all, from 
I'm from La Rochelle Insurance, which is the equivalent of I'm from <laughs> I, don't, I don't know Reading Insurance. <laughs> that is fucking stupid. <laughs> but fine, whatever. It's just some French words that they knew, so whatever. But what, you... what do we know about France? <laughs> They like coffee. Oh my god! And cigarettes. And croissants. <laughs> Just, they smoke a lot <laughs> in France. <laughs> but you believe he's in insurance because he says he's in insurance, and then for a while you're like, "Why have these insurance guys got all this tech?" And then you're like, "Oh, because your secret service, which you will reveal by showing me your secret service ID card." <laughs> Don't know about that, but he's just—he's brilliant. But it is frustrating when you actually think he's an insurance person. Because why would you be there? I've I've remembered that he wasn't. It was difficult for me. I can't remember watching it the first time and going, ooh. Ooh, An insurance subplot. Mm. Uh, Next, we're in Panama, uh, just so Nico can stand in a giant Godzilla paw print. Where's the other one? He's in one footprint. Godzilla's got two feet. No, there's a scene later where he's hopping. <laughs> no, there's a there's a shot of all the all the um, the, okay, the footprints leading to fine. the sea. This was and even this time watching it knowing what was to come, this is a point where I'm still excited about this movie. I think the setup in this film is great. Matthew Broderick standing in that massive footprint where it's revealed it's a massive footprint yeah. was really exciting mm. the first time and still exciting this time. It looks great. It gets like, going, oh, yeah. Nearly as yeah. exciting as standing next to a big pile of shit. Yeah, oh, yep, yeah, fair yep. enough. There's a, I mean, there's a lot, isn't there? There's a lot of uh, sort of copy and pasting from that movie. Uh, we'll get to some of the more obvious examples later. Then we're in New York and we meet journalist Audrey, uh, played by Maria Pitillo. Pitillo, yeah. Who, within 10 years of this film, had stopped acting. Mm. Um, and what she, did she say about this film? I found a quote from her. <laughs> this was my first and only job. <laughs> no, she'd been, in, uh, she'd been in news radio, uh, news talk radio. I can't remember. She'd been in some sitcom for uh, a while, I believe. Um, oh, no, sorry, that wasn't her. That wasn't even her. Different was, woman. Uh, it was uh, a woman in this movie, the one who takes a shine to him. Yeah, the redhead lady. Yeah, the sorry, lady, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. She'd been, I can't remember. But she says about this movie, this movie isn't written for big performances from its actors. I don't expect a lot from it. It won't be like, oh, Maria Patillo is a great actress, but it's an opportunity for people to see me. Sure. Mm. She's coming I mean, for the character. There's not much to Audrey, is there? She's fine. See, I think there's a bit of a problem here because... Audrey, as Chris said at the start, is a terribly written character. She does horrible, horrible things. And to get away with that, I think you just have to imbue them with something more than she does. Like, she needs mm. to be more naive or she needs to be a bit ditzy. Needs to be you know, more Sandra Bullock or Julia Roberts. I just, like, I know that's a, an awful trope of the, the ditzy, like, girl, but... There needs to be something that makes you, like, like her and mm. forgive her Likeable. for doing so. She... Likeable the word, yeah. yeah. But it's like what she does is like really malicious. Do you think that's why they made her eat a lollipop in a cafe? Because she's a grown woman and she's just munching away in a lollipop. And it's like, that. I went off her then. Alex yeah. is doing that at the moment. So. <laughs> and it's very coy. Hey, it's stopping me smoking. Yeah. So it's, be- it's better. Bless him. Looking, Bless you, Alex. Looking sexy with a chopper chop. And, and, yes. it, and, it, <laughs> and it doesn't start good for her because Audrey's being sexually harassed in the workplace by Kent Brockman. For entertainment. I know. <laughs> this is the thing. Very different days. Very different. It used to just be a little point of a story just to give just to give a woman some character. She'd been harassed. Yeah, he, you're, uh, he you're, also, you're very beautiful. You're married <laughs> he also isn't happy that his chair is lower than his co-host chair I know that seems like something someone wouldn't actually do in real life in real life I know that's why we were so astonished that's never happened on that this podcast you insecure little man <laughs> um, you're very beautiful Chris <laughs> then, we're, 
Then we're on to Jamaica. So we've we've started this film in Tahiti, Panama and Jamaica. I think Roland Emmerich wanted to go to a bunch of great holiday locations sure, yeah. for some time. Yeah. Um, although when we do go to New York, uh, what does he ask in it as on screen? He doesn't say New York. Oh, no, he says the city that never sleeps. Fuck off. Yeah, I thought that. I'm just, <laughs> what, what is that? Yeah. Why do that? Well, one of my changes was going to be one of the taglines for this movie, and it's on the insert card, in, lobby card in my, the DVD I've got, is um, the city that never sleeps is about to get a wake-up call. Why would it need a wake-up call if it never sleeps? <laughs> That's the worst fucking tagline I've ever heard. You're so right. It makes no bloody sense. Um, so in Jamaica, there's a ship being destroyed by a giant claw. <laughs> oh, they should have done it in Chicago. Things are about to blow in the Windy City. Nice. Thanks. Uh, and also doesn't make sense. No. Godzilla drags some fishing trawlers underneath underneath the water on the oh, eastern yeah. seaboard. I forgot about that. That, that, that cool. bit's good. Yeah, it is. Because that's terrifying. The build-up is good. I'm, I'm with of Alex course. on yeah. this. Of course, that. And then when, you know, he destroys in a, a, a couple of really jawsy moments, mm. like the, shipping, uh, the ship's getting dragged under and the pier getting destroyed. Yeah, so that's in, we're back to New York and, then, and there's an old man going fishing on a pier. And, and I remember that being a trailer as well. Yeah. The trailer was literally just that scene, and you thought oh, it was a great trailer. And it was it's Spielbergian, isn't it? I don't know if you like early Spielberg, as you told Richard and Judy, mm. was, yeah. was, was the best stuff. Yeah, you tell it to his face, dude. <laughs> How do you feel about obviously skipping ahead? But as we're we're talking about Jaws, so what's it called? The track zoom thing on the beach, yeah. In Jaws? yeah so they do yeah. that with Matthew Broderick. How do yeah. you feel about that? Is that all right? Oh, you've got to do I feel. I think every film needs one. Yeah. But then what about when they say, they don't say we're going to need a bigger gun, but they say we're going to need bigger guns or mm. something. Yeah. And it's like, oh, God. Like, this, yeah. But I think both these, I mean, 2014's owes a massive debt to Spielberg as well. Yeah. So I think if you're dealing with a big monster, you'll go to. It's fine. Okay. It's Jaws. Yeah, okay. I don't mind that. Uh, so Godzilla's now waking up the city that never sleeps. Um, <laughs> he is. He's stepping on cars. He's stepping on people. The ground's rumbling. He interrupts the mayor's rally, uh, destroying a bunch of buildings. You've got New Yorkers running for their lives through the streets, which sort of plays different post 9 11. Mm. Because, and it's also that visual has just become such a staple now, isn't it? Of every every other blockbuster has, you know, New Yorkers running from falling buildings. Yeah. Um, but. Cameraman Animal, played by Hank Azaria, um, heads out and nearly gets stepped on. And in this scene, I would disagree um, with Miss Patillo, who said there isn't room for big performances in this film because Hank's <laughs> giving it a go here. He has a pop. It's he? not subtle what he gets he's up to. He's so ruined for me because he looks down and he's obviously looking down at the footprint that he's been sort of encased in. But he looks to me like he's looking down like he might have wet himself because he was obviously giving it full. I'm very frightened. Oh, and this is this is just after we get the. You mentioned it when she's in the restaurant with Animal and his partner mm. and it's his partner who's going nice guys finish last yeah and I think that conversation that they have with Audrey it's basically that that is why I think we're supposed to go she's behaving awful but because of that so she's had a huge yeah, yeah. personality shift because she's been told oh yeah I, I saw that I know but I think I don't think it's enough is my what the point I'm trying to make I don't think you would just suddenly become a fucking awful human being because <laughs> yeah. someone went nice guys finish last yeah um, Kent Brockman slash Mr Burns is having a chat with Bart Simpson as well do you know that's the voice of Bart Simpson uh, is the woman who tells him I think your story just walked by the window oh no I didn't know that so we've got three Simpsons actors wow pretty much in the same scene uh, the military rolled into town and make their command centre in New Jersey and they evacuate three million people from Manhattan quite effortlessly yeah uh, but Mayor Ebert isn't happy about this <laughs> so here's a quote from um, 
uh, what's his name? Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert's um, review of Godzilla. He says, oh, and then there are New York's Mayor Ebert and his advisor, Gene. The mayor, of course, makes every possible wrong decision and the advisor eventually gives thumbs down to his re-election campaign. These characters are a reaction by Emmerich and Devlin to negative Siskel and Ebert reviews of their earlier movies, but they let us off lightly. I fully expected to be squished like a bug by Godzilla. Mm. He has more to say about this film, which I'll get to at the end when okay. we talk about the aftermath. But um, so they've lost sight of Godzilla. Can Godzilla hide in New York? The hot, the tagline, which was brilliant, is size does matter. Yeah. But it doesn't seem to in this film because he seems to change size yeah. pretty regularly from being stealthy to sort of the whole city rumbling when he takes a yeah. step. But just the, I mean, I know the poster, the size of Godzilla's foot in the poster isn't representative of the size of the monster in the film. Mm. But still, isn't New York, especially Manhattan, like one of the most densely populated places in the world. Mm-hmm. So the idea, and also there's monster-shaped holes in the building. So the film is going, within the framework of the film, this monster is bigger, as big as the buildings. Where is it supposed to be hiding? When they said it's in the river, I was like, I bought that. No, it's definitely not in the river. Well, then where is it? It's not in Central Park. That's it. Apparently it's in the subway a lot. It's underground, but burrowing, because they, yeah. they, made, they made him burrow in this. Okay. But he could also sort of leap through the middle of a building. Yeah. And the, the rest of it stay intact. I don't know <laughs> if that's possible. <laughs> yeah. What did you think of Godzilla's appearance, though? Because obviously uh, Toho Studios hated it. Um, and a lot of Godzilla fans hated it. Because he doesn't look anything like Godzilla. He looks like the T-Rex. Well, you say Toho hated it, but they okayed it. Did they? Devlin and Emmerich um, took their Godzilla to Toho. It was a foot-high model of the creature. And um, Emmerich says that when they showed it to Toho, they were speechless. They stared at it and they were (laughs) silenced for a couple of... No. And then they said, could you come back tomorrow? I thought for sure we didn't have the movie then. But the following morning... Toho approved the design, um, stating that they kept the spirit of Godzilla. So it wasn't against their will, effectively. It was just, I think, after they saw the movie, they sort of changed their mind. I mean, maybe they had dollar signs in their eyes as well at this time. But, um, yeah, according to Tatopoulos, the only specific instructions Emmerich gave him was that it should be able to run incredibly fast. Mm. So he went for a lean... Bipedal, uh, iguana-like creature that stood with its back and tail parallel to the ground and its colour scheme was designed to reflect and blend in with the urban environment, which I think makes it look quite dull on screen. It doesn't exactly pop. It wasn't raised in an urban environment, so why would that doesn't make sense? It was this decision that Devlin and Emmerich made um, to make it an animal. And Devlin, we'll talk about it at the end, but he regrets that decision in hindsight. They basically went, let's just make it an animal trying to survive, mm. which no one wants from a Godzilla movie. Or if you do, you can't then have the ending that you've written because it's yeah. it's an awful way for an animal to meet its end. Yeah. And on that confusing note, let's take a quick break. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Looking for your next podcast binge? Well, look no further. The Offensive is a football mockumentary that follows Premier League club Ashwood City as their money-grabbing owner and is bored via from one crisis to another. Sounds familiar. Well, things are reaching breaking point this January as Real Madrid come calling for Ashwood's star player. Oh, and Patrick's going to accept €180 million Euros for Kevin. Wait, what? wait, hang on, wait. Woody, I'm just getting my dick out. Ah, fuck you and your dick. It's just getting my dick out, Woody. It's part of the negotiations. Woody, my dick. Patrick, these are the new work experience intake for the marketing team. Uh, hi. Hi, yeah. The Offensive, where the thick of it meets the Premier League. Subscribe now and enjoy more than 130 episodes. The Offensive is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. And we're back. One more question about Godzilla. Did you like the sounds that Godzilla made? The T-Rex roar. <laughs> and the baby Godzillas that we're going to come to. Did you like the noises they were making? The raptor noise from Mexico. <laughs> yeah, I like that noise. Do you know who was doing those noises? Nancy Cartwright. Oh my God, Frank uh, Welker. Frank Welker! Well, welcome back. Everything's all right again. Welcome back, Welker. Brilliant. That's great. We yes. haven't talked about Welker. <sighs> Why does he make us feel so Because he was lovely. there right at the start, yeah. like our second he's, or third he's show. He's always been Anaconda. on our shoulder. Anaconda yeah. and Deep Blue Sea, double whammy of Welker. Yeah. He's always been with us, I feel. Yeah, I agree. We've got we've got Tim Curry on one shoulder mm. and Frank Welker on the other. Lucky us. Mm. Um, just a strange thing here. Audrey steals Mr. Burns's press pass. Um, I think they wasted some money on this because there was a lot of work done to digitally remove the year 1998 from that pass because Ronald Emmerich didn't want the film to date. <laughs> so they had the artist had to remove it frame by frame from several scenes, and it didn't work because this movie has the 90s written all over it yeah. in big letters. Yeah. 
and the effects of a movie in the 90s, possibly the early 90s. What's astonishing is that Independence Day looked a shit ton better than mm. the effects in this. When there's the chase with the helicopters and those bullets are going into the buildings, you're like, <laughs> this is not good. Well, as you said, uh, Godzilla's burrowed into the tunnel system. They draw it out by assembling 12 dump trucks filled with fish in the street. Um that was when we got our first good look at him. They start shooting Godzilla when he comes out, but it has doesn't have any effect. The choppers chase him through the streets with those miniatures that look like miniatures. Mm. Uh, he takes out the Chrysler building because it used to be fun watching New York landmarks fall, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, it takes out the Chrysler building. I do enjoy them blowing up the flat iron building when Godzilla just dodges all the missiles. That's quite fun. I mean, this helicopter chase is... I remember reading a review at the time where they were like, this is insane that he can hide from helicopters in the buildings, especially when you think, why don't they just go up? Yeah. It's like they're helicopters. They've forgotten. If I'm thinking that watching this, <laughs> it's it's sort of like, it's insane that they don't go, we'll probably get a better view higher up yeah. rather than... Using this massive propeller we've got up here, we can go up. <laughs> what, what, what can this machine do? It, it goes can, up and down. go up. <laughs> and, it's, and it's very Team America, isn't it, to have the military causing a lot more damage uh, than the monsters causing... Um, Nick buys a pregnancy test and bumps into Audrey in The Chemist. Uh, we learn they went out for nearly four years. She left without a word because he proposed eight years ago. Um, and she's annoyed with him for not realising that she's changed. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it doesn't work. I do think it's a, for, I don't like the worm guy. I don't see why he's there. I don't know why you'd have him messing around with worms. Why not? Why can't he be a lizard expert? That would sort of make sense. But... With the pregnancy test, you're just thinking, this. why would that work? Maybe it does work in the real world, but you wouldn't know that. And you could have had a bit of a... I just think it's a missed opportunity for him to have a bit of character where he, he suspects that Godzilla's pregnant and he's a lizard expert, not a worm expert. He's he not a worm expert, like I don't a, think. He's just doing the worms on Chernobyl. But, but they he, keep calling him the worm guy. I know, they did like to that. take the piss yeah. out of him, but he's a biologist, so he, he yeah. knows about the, the lizards. I just think he should do like a homemade pregnancy kit that he puts together at personal risk to himself and he has the little set piece yeah. where he does it. Rather one, that, than... one that might work because yeah. I don't think this is going to work if it's a human pregnancy <laughs> so test. When he says, they're basically looking for the same thing. They're not, are they? <laughs> I'm no expert in human pregnancy tests. I've rarely had to use them uh, all the time. But um, they don't really state if Godzilla's male or female and listen to the commentary. They, were, they said the creature's something between female and male but we didn't want to say exactly because we didn't want to confuse or disappoint people what which is a strange answer I think but I some just... creatures exactly Komodo, dra Komodo dragons they do yeah, yeah. They, they have a single opening for urination defecation and laying eggs but like you said I mean I don't think they really know what Godzilla came from either because at the start you said we see uh, we see mm. a lizard yeah pretty up close. close but you see several different species of lizard you see an iguana I think you see a Komodo dragon you see a monitor yeah, lizard it's like pick one yeah um, Nick still loves Audrey um, in return, she steals his tape marked top secret in Meg Marker. <laughs> well, that's his fault. If you don't want someone to steal something, don't put top secret on it. Uh, and she turns that clip into a truly terrible TV package that everyone seems to be in awe of. Do you know why it's terrible? <laughs> because she ends it by saying, and I'm quoting directly here, all the king's horses and all the king's men may not be able to put the big apple together again. Is that not good? You're sacked! <laughs> <laughs> You're never presenting the news again. <laughs> Why? It's, I quite liked it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, but because you don't like Audrey at all, when Harry Shearer steals her report, you're yeah. like, oh, very good. Yeah. I'm like, good. She Let the professional do she it. She didn't get any, anything from her theft. 
Uh, the world's collapsing around them, so everyone in New York heads to the pub. I quite like that moment. That's what we would do. Mm. Um, the military think Nick went to the press with the tape, and so he gets sacked from that gig. Oh, I've written Audrey's fucking awful here. <laughs> um, yeah, she is. Do you know, because she goes back to apologise to him. And it's like, oh, they fired you. It's like, um, what do you think would happen? It's his actual line. But I think she only goes back to apologise after Harry Shearer steals her report. And if that hadn't happened, and they were like, you are now the hottest reporter in town, yeah. Would she have gone, I better just go say sorry to Nick? She wanted no. to be like, what's next? <laughs> Who's next? <laughs> uh, uh, Nick ends up in a Roche's uh, taxi and we find out that France did the nuclear test that created the monster, which pissed me off. You know, these Japanese films are, were all about anger towards America, essentially. Here's an opportunity to use American guilt as part of the story, but instead they just blame it on the French. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's fucking unbelievable. Um, everyone's in the tunnels now as we're getting near to the end. Um, they're using a f- they use fish to attract into the park, but he sees the guns and roars and buggers off as they open fire and he leaps over the bridge into the water and yep. they think their target is destroyed. Well, Which happens a lot in Ron Nemerick films, doesn't it? Someone says target destroyed when it isn't. I enjoy the fact that Godzilla has clearly seen the hunt for Red October. <laughs> uh, he's like... I'm just going to lure this torpedo towards the submarines, mm. the the same submarine that fired it. It's great. Who's in the hunt for it, October? Oh, my God. Sam Neill, uh, <laughs> Sean Connery, and... Was that an impression? <laughs> <laughs> well, he does, actually. He, uh, the hunt for Red October. Ru- uh, you're, you're Russian or... <laughs> Where, where's this submarine come from? Russia. <laughs> Uh, Tim Curry. Tim Curry. Tim you Curry. did it without realising yeah, it. Oh, you yeah. did it. I did. Uh, Godzilla's burrowing into Madison Square Gardens. So we're in the home straight now. They find uh, a bunch of eggs. It's all very alien, which mm. makes me wish I was watching Alien. Yeah, it does. Uh, turn on the lights and there's about 200 eggs, um, which, I mean, did they all fit inside him, her? And I'm just trying to imagine that creature firing. They're big eggs, firing them all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) We should have had that scene. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, Baby Godzilla emerges from an egg. Others follow suit. And I don't know. This reminded me a bit of Jurassic Park a little. Velociraptors. It's not even trying, though. The whole wiggle of the tail up in the air vertically when they're feeding Velociraptors. I was waiting for one to tap its nail on the floor. They do the the breath up against the glass of a door. They do the shadows along the wall. I mean, it's it's shot for shot steals from Jurassic Park. They're in the kitchen at some point Mm. as well. I guess... Obviously, they're copying a very successful film, but I don't know if, if the thinking is we need to have a clear and present danger here rather than something so big we can't ha- wrap our head around. It sort of it diminishes that immediate human threat. And so by having something a similar size to the humans, it's just it's been but, done. Yeah, but they fudge it as well. So they're like, <laughs> which is a very inelegant, well, not inelegant, but not a very movie style thing to say. <laughs> we smell a <of> fish. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why the dinosaurs want to eat us. So that's fine. It's sort of fine, but not really fine because you could just take your clothes off and then they, w- they wouldn't want to eat you. So you need to do a sort of bullshit science thing, which is like, these are the next evolution of this monster. Mm, and now born this monster, pregnant. Yeah, and they're born pregnant, but they also now like the taste of humans. Yeah. Because Godzilla wasn't eating humans before, it was eating fish, yeah. quite plainly. So now why do the babies want to eat the people? Mm, good point. Yeah, I mean, the That's design of these like velociraptors, again, uh, to go back to this, you, velociraptors look evil. They look like villains and they yeah. almost seem to take a little bit of glee when they're Ooh, hunting I meant to humans. Say, have you ever played Top Trump's Dinosaur Edition? 
Uh, no, I've played Shark Edition, obviously. So, there is, do, you, do you know the theory that if the meteorite hadn't happened and wiped out all the dinosaurs, wrapped a, a sort of offshoot of a raptor would be the dominant species because they were the most clever. Mm. And they in Top Trump's Dinosaur Edition, they do what a raptor person would look like now walking around. And it's brilliant. And it does look, I'll bring it for you. What do they look like? They look like a raptor, but you sort of stood up jeans. <laughs> Skinny <laughs> jeans. Yeah. Skinny jeans with massive talons sticking out the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it just made me think of it because, you know, that's what would have happened. But these, these like, look too cute. They, the problem is that they've they've got the eyes wrong, so the eyes look kind of very mammalian, yeah. and so they look too cute to be scary. And, and they're it, babies, so maybe we don't want to watch them all die. No, yeah, we don't. And also, I mean, tonally, like this whole thing is off. Like you've got the French guys, the special forces French guys, treating these scenes like a horror movie, like actually scared. Yeah, yeah. and then you've got because mm, they, well, they are getting murdered. The yeah, French, the, mainly French get murdered in this. Yes. And Matthew Broderick says things like, you know, like, oh, this is not. Good, and you're like, oh, wrong floor. So, uh, Audrey decides to use something called the internet. Oh, I love it to broadcast from inside MSG. I'm, honestly, my heart started racing. We've got something called the internet. <laughs> I thought we were going to get more. I know, yeah, it's 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 once it comes up, you want it to be. I want to see computer screens, I want yep. to see what you're doing. Um, but she's able to get a message to the military that they've got to destroy the building for the creatures escape, and we get a chase sequence inside the building, yep. which um, really. Uh, I, I mean, I feel sick thinking about it. The, the basketballs and gumballs that the creatures yeah. trip on. It's like, <laughs> it's like micro machines. Home Alone's the the babies, mm. the baby baby Godzillas. Godzilla emerges and roars, and he, the place blows up. And Godzilla's gutted because all his babies are dead, and well, so he comes for them. Let's talk about let's, yeah. let's talk about that moment. So you've got the dead babies, and clearly that's going to piss Godzilla off anyway. You do not need a parent monster nudge its dead offspring Ooh, with yeah. its nose to see if it's alive and then be sad because it's dead. Mm. It's a, just an insane decision to make us go, that's so sad. Yeah, it's really sad. And now we're going to kill it as well. And everyone's going to cheer mm. at the end. It's so strange. What, what, yeah, so what let's, are they thinking? Now let's send the F-18s to kill this creature that we created and who got mad when we killed its babies. It's just, it's so unclear what we should be rooting for because then... You know, they end up on the Brooklyn suspension bridge. Um, they electrocute him. He gets caught in cable, so he's a sitting duck. Mm -hmm. And they shoot the shit out of this trapped creature. Yep. It's not the most satisfying finale for a blockbuster. No. He won't go down without putting up a fight, so they keep firing. And it's really depressing until we watch the light leave its eyes. Yeah. And it's like... You hear its heartbeat slow yeah. further and further as Matthew Broderick watches it. And you're like, he's going to say something. And, it's yeah. going to be like King Kong, Beauty Killed the Beast. Yeah. Yep. Or something, and he just sort of goes, "Cool, Audrey, want a shag?" <laughs> uh, and and then all the characters in the film are cheering uh, Godzilla's death. Mm. You know, it's it's a complete it's... failure to understand what this character is. And even I I I listened to a, a commentary, and it was the effects people doing the commentary, and they're saying they were saying, "Oh, I hate this scene. Why is everyone cheering? What is wrong with the people in this film?" Mm. That's the film that they made, and they were like, <laughs> and I think they also, I guess, they'd created the creatures as well, and so they it felt weird to them watching their creatures be killed and it be this celebratory moment. I mean, he literally just goes, "Well, well, this is Independence Day with a monster. We'll do the Independence Day end, and we'll stick it here without thinking through." the actual emotion of the scene. Ridiculous. So Godzilla's dead, the babies are dead, and they close out all the human relationships in the next few scenes. But honestly, who cares? I don't think I'm going to talk about that. Nope. 
Um, and then a sultry egg hatches and Puff Daddy starts singing. Yeah, that's the best bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Uh, cashmere, yeah, Led Zeppelin so sample. Love it. It's uh, so good. It but is. that's so 90s as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the video is so 90s. If you watch the video, which I did, it's really good. Not as good as the Jamiroquai video. Obviously. No. So we've got some enjoyable fallouts. Do you know Deeper Underground was their only UK number one? Was it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Cosmic Girl, not number one. Really? Yeah. Insanity, what was it? Virtual, virtual insanity. insanity. Not number oh, yeah. one. Yeah. I'm not a massive fan, if I'm honest. Oh, virtual insanity is good. Though. No, it's annoying. Really? Yeah. That's what I mean. I just like the video. I was like, at the time, I was like, this is clever. He's on a conveyor belt. Furniture's moving. That's good. <laughs> so, uh, Roger Ebert's review. He reviewed it in Cannes. This film screened in Cannes. <laughs> Madness. And he said. It's got French people in it, hasn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. He said, going to see Godzilla at the Palais of the Cannes Film Festival is like attending a satanic ritual at St. Peter's Basilica. It's a rebuke to the faith that the building represents. Cannes touchingly adheres to a belief that film could be intelligent, moving and grand. Godzilla is a big, ugly, ungainly device to give teenagers the impression they are seeing a movie. You have to absorb such a film, not consider it. But my brain rebelled and insisted on applying logic where it was not welcome. (laughs) So, so, filmmakers, don't put... Roger Ebert in your movie because he will give you both barrels. But do you remember um, Ain't It Cool News gave mm. this a positive review. Harry Knowles was flown to New York, put up in a nice hotel, had this incredible experience and gave this film a very positive review and it caused this massive stink because then a few weeks later when he realised he was the only critic that liked it and looked like he'd been paid to do this, yeah. he then did it and wrote another review. And it's sort of, that was the beginning of the end, I think, for that website. We're saying he got it wrong and, you know, it was the experience that he was reviewing as much wow. as the film. So I went, I <laughs> the think... experience of all this free stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so I'm ashamed to say I went on Ain't It Cool this week to try and see if that review was still there. It isn't. But I found his follow-up review and he <laughs> wrote a metaphor in that review which absolutely blows my mind. Uh, he says, I actually got a bit angry when leaving the theatre because I was fooled the first time. Kind of like if you drink a glass of lemonade, you hand it to your friend and ask for a refill. And when you're halfway through done with the second glass, he tells you it's piss. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? You drank half a glass yeah. of piss. It looked like piss. It's your fault. <laughs> you need your friend to tell you it's piss and not lemonade, you fucking numbskull. <laughs> And I've met him, I can say that. He is a numbskull. Um, uh, piss drinking numbskull. Um, so weirdly, Emmerich and Devlin commissioned a treatment from Tab Murphy titled Godzilla 2. Uh, the sequel would have, involved, would have involved the surviving offspring battling a giant insect in Sydney. Hmm. Okay. Because um, Godzilla gave birth to its own brood of teen Godzillas. Um, and with one notable individual uh, dubbed the runt. So that was the idea for the film, but the studio abandoned plans for sequels due to a lack of enthusiasm from fans, audiences, theatre owners and licensees. <laughs> <laughs> but Toho, Toho did not like it. Alex, I'm sure you know this one. What yeah. happened? This uh, is amazing. No, you do it. This is the best bit of the story. About the three-picture deal? Or? Uh, no, Toho didn't like this Godzilla, and so they decided to christen it Zilla officially within yeah. the monster universe uh, they took the god out of the creature because it was a mere animal and in 2004 they made Godzilla Final Wars where we met Zilla claiming that the one in this movie wasn't the real Godzilla so they had the real Godzilla kick its ass into the Sydney Opera House while some 41 plays on the soundtrack <laughs> <laughs> so they just kill 
off this fucking cave. Even this character was dead. They were like, we're going to resurrect it and kill it with the real... That wasn't the real Godzilla. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the best legacy of this movie is that uh, Toho basically decided to revive... They hadn't made a Godzilla movie for a while and they decided actively because this movie was so shit and did such damage to the legacy of Godzilla, they were like... We're going to start making fucking Godzilla movies mm. again, which is brilliant. And they made Shin Godzilla, which is one of the best ones. Yeah, that's a good film. It's a good film. Good film. Really upsetting in parts, but great. <sighs> um, I uh, Well, yeah, we should say the reason we're not doing the 1954 Godzilla and doing these two is also because it's not available. That's oh, why right. we're oh, not good. doing it. Um, yeah, I mean, just a, a few bits and pieces. Um for why Emmerich should never have been doing this movie. He says, I was never a big Godzilla fan. They were just the weekend matinees you saw as a kid like Hercules films and really bad Italian westerns. You just go with your friends and just laugh. I think it's very easy to judge this against, like, which we've done a lot, like the legacy of Godzilla. If you even take that out of it and go, right, he just wanted to make a silly blockbuster and he didn't yeah, love Godzilla. That's you, how I watched it. Right. And you can do that. This still fails. Still as not that. good. Yeah. Devlin said eventually, years later, he said he admitted that they screwed up Godzilla and he blames the script that he co-wrote with Emmerich as the source of the film's failure. He says the two flaws were one that we talked about. Uh, we did not commit to anthropomorphizing Godzilla. They didn't decide if he was heroic or villainous and we just had him be neither and just an animal trying to survive. That was their first mistake, agreed Dean Devlin. And the next one was deciding to exposit the characters' backgrounds in the middle of the film rather than in the first act, which we always normally do. And everyone does. <laughs> so, at the time we told the audience who these characters were, they'd already made up their minds about them and we couldn't change their perception that they were awful. <laughs> he doesn't say that aspect. I made that up. So, yeah, they take some responsibility. Right, should we do the questions slash conundrums? Mm. Um, Alex, favourite scene? The footprint. Matthew Broderick standing inside a giant footprint. footprint. Or the fishing boat attack. Either of those two setups, I'm like, this is going to be amazing. Vicky? I did find this quite hard. Like, the old man in hospital, even though Jean Reno's trying to set his head on fire, is quite good because it's very atmospheric. Um, the end scene on the suspension... <laughs> he's, got a, he's got one of those it's flames. It's a fucking big lighter. <laughs> Remember when you used to have a clipper and you used to take the silver bit off yes. and just... Uh, not a clipper, one of the really cheapo ones and you used to keep turning it up. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was that. Yeah. Mm. What did you see, old man? <laughs> old man. <laughs> um, and also, the suspension bridge thing... I know we don't like it, but it does. It, I like the scene because it makes you feel in opposition to what the film wants you to feel, which is quite complicated emotions. You're like, you're, I'm supposed to be cheering, but I feel very sad for this monster. So, so you like the bit I where like the film completely fucks itself. Yeah, no, but I tell you what. So, but I did like the bit in, even though it's stupid, when they're about to leave Madison Square Gardens. Bear in mind, I think that the baby creatures are raptors and they're clever. Why can't they just open the door and get out of Madison Square Garden's entranceway? But the thing with the lamps, where Jean Reno shoots the lamps, is like, that's cool because I didn't see that coming. Really? Yeah, I was I disappointed that. by that because I could have sworn, I was like, I think they run over there. I thought they were going to run over the lamps, but then it's fine. So I'm going to pick the lamps bit. Fine. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's quite badly made that scene though, because yeah. there are there are there are Godzillas that aren't looking up that are right by them and should be biting them. They just I think they must have run out of money. <laughs> um, well he does say, doesn't he? Emmerich says they had to rush the thing to get it to make the release date. And right. he also says we didn't get to test screen it. So um We didn't want to test screen yeah. it. <laughs> Uh, for me, it's when it goes after the old man fishing. I think that's a real classic Spielberg moment and I wish he'd had more clever things like that in the film. Uh, Victoria, 
who is your most valuable whatever? Jean Reno as Philippe. Um, every you just want more of him and less, I would say, of everyone else. Possibly excepting Hank Azari, who I do quite like. Um, but he's funny. He's well, not Hank Azari. Hank Azari is funny, but John Reno, he's funny and he's suave and he does all the action. And, and he could button that scene if he was on the if he got the scene on the bridge and he could show the creature some respect and some grief and some admiration and feel triumph. That would be a much better way to end the film because he's the much better thing in it. Mm. Agreed. John Reno is also my MVW. It's chewing juicy fruit going, it makes us look more American. That's funny. But in French, <laughs> not, Russian. <laughs> not Russian. It makes us look more American. You really can't, you don't want to have I a pop. I can't do French. Why not? French. Everyone thinks they can. I can't even can. say French. I can't even say France. Uh, I had John Renault, but I changed it at the last minute. I'm going for the marketing team for this movie because mm. yeah. they did a bang up job. And uh, those trailers, those teasers, uh, even that tagline, not the one about New York, uh, size doesn't matter. It's just size does matter. It just it really worked. And it's the reason this film made the money it did, I think, not the film itself. And what would you change, Alex? Uh, well, I mean, as I just said, like the Devlin admitted it himself. Decide if your monster is a villain or a hero and uh, don't have it nudge a dead baby with its snout. Um, also, uh, don't give it a close moment earlier in the film, a connection with Matthew Broderick, only to then leave that unresolved, but to still make us go, oh, this monster's all right, actually. It's just an animal. I feel something for this. Don't introduce it with the most majestic score playing. <laughs> so you're like, what a beautiful, majestic creature stomping through. Don't basically design empathy for this monster and then murder it in such a horrific fashion on the bridge they uh, they did that in the cartoon you know there's a spin-off cartoon from this and uh, Broderick's character um, is there when that baby Godzilla is born and the baby Godzilla imprints on him and they end up going on adventures together oh that's mm. nice wish I'd watched that me too Vicky uh, I think, well, part, I mean, this is a very obvious one, but it needs to be sh- a lot shorter. Like the act two low point. I was like, oh, there's the low point. Look, Nick and Audrey have fallen out and he's been <laughs> fired. And I looked, I was like, there's a fucking hour to go. You can't have a, an act three that's one hour. That's mental. Uh, but I think the love story should not be between the old college sweethearts who haven't seen each other for eight years. That's so boring. And it's, it makes him look creepy that he's still got this photo. It makes her look like a bit of a bitch because she <laughs> left him on one knee and then never spoke to him ever again. So the romance, which you do need in a block, there should be between a junior reporter and the camera person and there's you know they hate each other there's some sparks and whatever and then I'm going on this adventure through Madison Square Gardens there's the kiss at the end mm. like Do the that. new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles did with Will Arnett and Megan Fox sure he likes her I don't know if they ever got together can't remember okay <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've got I've got a list which I'm not going to read out because that's not how this works. But I'm agreeing with you, Alex, about about make you don't make him a villain who dies. Uh, you've got to give him atomic breath. Hmm. They don't give him atomic breath. Well, they do. No, he blows some breath and it hits some fire. He doesn't breathe fire. But it's meant to be. There's meant to be the suggestion. Roland Emmerich, because he hates Godzilla, doesn't didn't want to include atomic breath. But he sort of. I think there'd been a reaction from like fans or Toe when they heard there was no atomic breath. So he sort of left it open to suggestion that there's something in his breath that if there's fire already there, it makes it bigger fire. Yes, yeah, so not that. Yeah, not that. <laughs> Um, give him <laughs> like a gas gas breath. I don't know. Really, really gassy. He's a gassy it's dinosaur. Like he's just eating a Scotch egg. Um, give him a monstrous flow, flow. Give him a personality. But I think blaming France is an unforgivable act of cowardice by this movie, and it should be about America's collective shame. So uh, that's Godzilla '98. Great stuff. 
Should we do a quiz? We should. I haven't bought the box in. Oh, I was looking for the tin. What? I didn't bring the tin. You didn't bring your big movie quiz box. Well, I didn't know if you guys were enjoying it, so I thought I'd try one of the old school quizzes. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Uh, it's I'm not a say it. what? Because you lost last week. <laughs> <laughs> I did think that. Does this look like I'm I'm pushing it towards Alex, which I really am not. But no. <laughs> no, um, how much person. how much do you know about reptiles? Uh, average. <laughs> we've yeah, got, we've yeah. got a reptile quiz. All right, and it's multiple why, choice. Why are you look confident? Because <laughs> of children and their dinosaur obsession. Uh, so, but no, maybe not. You strike me as a man oh, that knows cocky, a bit about reptiles. Cocky, yeah. Being one yourself. <laughs> yeah. You, bloody you are reptile. quite reptilian. Yeah. So uh, this is multiple choice. All right, and just just ground rule. Right, listen, but do we shout? Do we just each pick? If it's you, multi- you each pick, and if you both pick the same one, you both either get the point or don't. Okay. Which. Shall we just draw? <laughs> Make it nice. <laughs> Should we just both pick the same? Do you want to? Yeah. You throw me under the bus, or you fucking backstabber? <laughs> You'd be like, yeah. Which of the following is a dangerously venomous lizard? I know this. Uh, a a, a Gila monster, a chameleon, or a palm gecko? I know um, this, so but I've just given away. <laughs> so I, I am right though. So you go first. No, I think you should go first, Vicky. Yeah, I think you you've, you've scuppered yeah. yourself there. Because <laughs> I was showing off. You were, yeah. But... Do you know what it is? I think so. Yeah. Oh, go on then. No, you go first. It's fine. Go on, ladies first. It's uh... <laughs> <laughs> It's a Gila monster. What do you think, Alex? I agree. Uh, you both get points. Well played, Vicky. I won't do that again. <laughs> I love your poker face. Maybe we should alternate. Maybe we should alternate who goes first. Uh, which feature is visibly different between crocodiles and alligators? Uh, feet, snout or tail? Snout. It's the snout. Correct. Oh, they made these too easy. Uh, what is an unusual feature of a young Totara lizard? Six legs, feathers or an extra eye? You'll tend to go first. Shit. Six legs. Uh, an extra eye. Correct. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> it's mad. I love this fact. Uh, young Tarturas have a third eye on their forehead that gets covered in scales as they age. You should be excited to learn new information. Like I know that. I am. Sorry, that's the, that's the problem with this quiz. It just closed down, but that is amazing. What's the biggest reptile in the world? Is it the saltwater crocodile, the Komodo dragon, or the green anaconda? It's my turn to go first, yeah. is it? Yeah, it's your turn to go first. Do you want to go first? No, you go first. All right, I'm going to say the saltwater crocodile. It's the saltwater crocodile. Point each, correct. Uh, chameleons can <laughs> predominantly be found on what continent? Africa, Asia, or South America? Asia. I'm going to say, oh, God, I don't know. South America. Correct, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> and from where do crocodiles release excess heat? Is it armpits, eyes, or mouth? Mouth. Armpits. Correct, Vicky. Mouth, but you lose. Uh, five, four. Well played, Alex. Thanks very much. I did wish crocodiles sweated from their own. I know that you know they don't as well. You just knew you could throw it a bit to look like a great guy. <laughs> uh, listen, I'm not saying anything because I felt exactly how you feel now last week and I know how painful it is. So I'm going to be really, really nice about it. Oh, you two are getting worse. <laughs> no. I'm really worried that I this walked, is, is going to end the podcast. I walked away from last week going, I'm going to have to speak to Chris and we're going to have to start alternating who hosts the quiz. 
Because we can't lose the quiz because it's fun, but we might have to start alternating. I don't know if it is fun, I've got to be honest. <laughs> right then, that is uh, this episode done. Uh, next week, Clash Potters in the Control in Control continues at another listener pairing. And my clue uh, for our Valentine's Day shows <clears throat> next week is Meet the Parents. It's not Meet the Parents. <laughs> That's the clue. The clue is Meet the Parents. Do remember that we like to mix things up with the sort of anti-Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day. Stop, stop, stop. Right, you're good. fine. All right, in the meantime, please subscribe, rate, and indeed review us. If you've got the time, it's a great help. And check in with us on Twitter and Instagram at ClashPod. We are back on Thursday talking 2014's Godzilla. Bye-bye. This was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 